everyone. This is Florence Bremer. I'm your host of the Bonafide Legal Podcast. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a podcast to help attorneys and business owners with time management and wellness tips. I'm a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer since 1999. Thank you for joining me on this journey for finding grace and contentment in the practice of law. This week's podcast, I'm going to talk to you about getting ready for a jury trial. Um, It has a bit of a twist at the end, so I'll actually save that to the end of my story. But for the last, oh my, let me think about this. I would say for about the last 10 months, I have had a jury trial scheduled to start February 28th. This is a case that was filed in 2017. I represented the defendants. It's a civil trial. That's all the details I can really give you because of client confidentiality, of course. But as long as it takes um, cases to get to trial, it doesn't usually take five years. Three maybe, but five is a little unusual. And guess what the factor was that caused that? I bet you can't guess. It's COVID, of course. So we were actually scheduled to start this trial in, I believe it was January 2020. Then it got pushed out a few months, and a few months was not going to cut it. And so then it got pushed out many months, and it was pushed out probably two, three, maybe four times. Every time we would get to the date as it approached, like something was happening. There was a spike in cases. They weren't doing jury trials. The jury trial... um, procedures were were very strict, making it hard to do an effective jury trial. And finally, we are at the point where you still have to, you wear masks in the courtroom, you don't have to wear masks when you're speaking, the witnesses doesn't have to doesn't have to wear masks, you can kind of move around the courtroom, but you can't get too close to the jury and the jury is spaced out from each other. So some differences, but not too bad. A big difference in Arizona is that preemptory challenges has been eliminated. So it should be very fast to pick juries now because you would usually spend a couple hours, uh, you'd have these little um, grids of jurors and you would do your preemptory challenges. And um, oh, another thing was bench trials. So instead of going up to the judge and going to the bench and speaking, you put these headsets on and it put white noise throughout the courtroom, but you could hear the judge and the judge could hear you and all of that. So it was just very, very unusual. Um, But it was not so bad, you know, as far as stuff goes. I think you had to pick the jury in a different room, like you couldn't pick the jury in the courtroom. It was just different. But it finally felt like, okay, these are procedures where you can still have an effective jury trial. So for the last couple of weeks, months maybe, so um, since since New Year's, uh, I've been really, really thinking about this trial. 
And everything was kind of turned in for the trial. We had a final pretrial conference in January where we actually physically went to court. And it was sort of a long hearing. And ready to go. You know, just everything is ready for February 28th. And then um, there was another time that I had to go downtown into the courtroom and work with the court staff to work on the equipment, having the equipment um, hooked up to our laptops and seeing what sort of attachments we needed and learning how to use the Elmo again, which is just like an overhead projector from the old days. I really enjoy the Elmo, which I know will sound weird, but in the past you would have an exhibit and you'd kind of hold it up or pass it around or have jury notebooks. I don't do a juror notebook anymore. To me, there's no reason. Instead, you put the exhibit on the Elmo, it's on the screen for the jury, and you can circle and highlight different parts of the exhibit. So I think it works really, really well. It's really effective. I don't do blow-ups of exhibits either for the same reason, because you can put it up on the Elmo, you can circle the words that you want to circle, and you don't need to make these blow-ups. It's just kind of an antiquated way to do it. Maybe at some point there will be something where I'll really, really want to do a blow-up. Maybe if this was a case regarding like one or two pictures and you just really wanted to be able to move them around uh, during the trial. But even then, like I said, the Elmo really, really works for those sort of things. So a thing that had really, really been bothering me, and I had spent hours thinking about it. And (coughs) the purpose of this podcast is really just to talk about tips for that I used for getting ready for a long trial. And it was going to be a week. So not the longest trial in the world. It wasn't like it was a year. But a week is, it can be very significant. And I'll tell you how the days work. Sorry, I need to drink the water. So you get to the courtroom between 8 and 8.30. The jury comes in about 9.30. You have court from 9.30 to 12. And then you have court from 1 to 4.30 or 5, depending how um, it's going and if the judge wants to go all the way to 5. So it sounds like kind of a manageable day, but really what happens is, as the attorney, you wake up at 5, you're getting ready for your trial, you get into the courtroom, you commute, you know, this was a one that was downtown for me, you commute for an hour, you have a lunch that's an hour and a half. During jury trials, I'm not taking like a nice, long, leisurely lunch. You get an hour and a half, which just sounds like, oh, this is wonderful. I can go and sit with a sandwich and I can just relax. Nope, I'm usually sitting in the hallway of the courtroom. I'll sit in the courtroom if they let me with a bag of peanut M&Ms and just keep working. And then five o'clock rolls around everybody takes off. I have to commute home and then work some more, get in sleep and get up at five and do it all over again. They're very, very work intensive week. They're, they're, you know, probably a 14 to 18 hour day, really, you know, with the commute and all the, all the prep work that you're doing during the day and in the evening as well. 
So I really, really have to be organized when this happens. And one of the things I kept thinking about was this was a downtown hearing. And I've probably had, let's see, in two years, I've been downtown for court maybe six times. Hmm. It seems a little bit low, but it really could be that that minimal amount of time. And I was very surprised to find out when I went down last week for the equipment training that everywhere around the court is all torn up by the parking garage in front of the court as you leave the court like just everything it's just all torn up so parking's not great anyways there's no easy way to park downtown you have to park down you have to park in a garage and wheel your files inside I had fair amount of files but one of the things that I was trying to do was um, make them less less of, of a volume so that I could put it all into my rolling trial briefcase. So I had set out, on President's Day I actually did this, I took the whole file, I spread it over the conference room table, and I made it into three piles. One was exhibits, like extra copies of exhibits. One was items that I needed to read but didn't necessarily need to bring to court with me. And then the other one was items I needed to, everything that needed to be read. Like my plan is to review the whole single, the entire file, like line by line on expert reports and everything else um, for, before the trial. And this is stuff that I've been reviewing for five years, but when you get to trial, you just want to be able to breathe the case. And, you know, after having hundreds and hundreds of cases over the last couple of years, you know, things do fade and you need to just review it all again. So then, um, I had my pile of things that were coming with me, which also needed to be reviewed. And I also needed to go through, I have an email folder that also needs to be reviewed and then possibly things printed out or um, put on my laptop for like easy access. So um, that was really sort of the first day of it. And, And like I said, I was ruminating over this commute because I figured with the construction, my commute was going to be about three hours a day. I needed to add an extra half an hour going there for certain. Coming home, it was just going to be, it is what it is. Like maybe sometimes I get home earlier, but to be able to get into the courtroom and not be running late, I would have to give myself an hour and a half. And usually I would give myself an an hour if I wasn't going in rush hour, an hour and 15 if I was going in rush hour. And traffic is back in Phoenix. There's no more COVID light. There are people everywhere. Um, In the last few hearings that I've gone to that have been in person, there's been traffic and kind of traffic all day. And this time in Arizona, it's the weather's great. So we have all sorts of people visiting. We just had the Phoenix open. The suns are really hot right now. So there's lots of people going to suns game. There's a lot of of events. The Renaissance Festival is going on. And I did go to the Renaissance Festival during President's Day weekend. I'll tell you a little bit about that too. 
So first of all, my first thing was just get this file organized. And I had two workstations. I had home and I had the office. So every day at home, I would bring home probably three inches of paperwork to go through. And I set up a station on my built-in desk in my kitchen and my kitchen counter. And I just sort of hopped back and forth to them and just started reading and uh, just thinking about this case nonstop. I do this thing. uh, Here's a secret I will tell you. When I am getting ready for a trial or an oral argument, I'll talk out loud to hear myself saying the words in the case. No one hears me when I'm doing this. Um, I, I started doing this when I used to do a lot of oral arguments in San Francisco. And I would fly in and have a hotel. And I would just walk around the hotel or sit in the bathtub <laughs> and say the words of this case. Say the words of the statute. Say the statement of facts. Just let it pour out of me and be able to stutter and get all of that out of me before I was in front of the judges. So I did a lot of that too. So I'm walking around my room, just saying things about the case, just jumping into like a little bit of an opening statement when it hits me, that sort of thing. I keep missing the point that I want to tell you, which is the logistics of it. So I knew that it was just going to be really hard with commuting every day. But I was not wanting to get a hotel. Because when you get a hotel, you have to bring your whole life with you. And when you're a trial attorney, it's not like being on vacation. Like we, you know, you bring your leggings and some jeans and walking shoes. When you're in trial, it's heels and suits and um, makeup (laughs) and your hair products and just everything I need as a girl to be able to look like a trial attorney. I was telling my associate uh, everything that I was doing in the couple of weeks before trial because I wanted to look as good as possible. And I had some maintenance stuff, personal maintenance stuff I needed to get taken care of. Like for one, I went to the dentist. My appointment was up. I didn't want to postpone it. Time to get my teeth cleaned, all of that. I got my nails done last week because on the Elmo, you put your hand on it and I just keep my nails short. I don't do like nails, nails. But when I get a manicure, it's just so clean. All that cuticle skin is gone. It just makes me so happy. So my nails were done um, and just cut really short. They grow really fast, I think because of vitamins. I had not had my hair cut and colored in four months. It was a bit of a disaster. So I had that done. I had a facial to make sure that my skin just looked good. And I also had a massage on Friday. So as I record this, tomorrow is the 28th, the first day of trial. I also had a massage on Friday. It sort of had a dual purpose. I had for my uh, Christmas present from my brother and my sister-in-law, it was a day of massages where we went one after another to 
my massage therapist, who is amazing. And um, I don't want to put her information on the podcast, but if you want to contact me directly and you live in Arizona, I'll give you the referral information. Obviously, if you're not in Arizona, it probably doesn't make sense for you to come to her. But maybe you'll be on a vacation and you'll want to come to her. But she's great. So we had a day where it was one after another. And I had the first one and then I got ready for work and actually went to work while everyone else was having their massages. And then we had a really late lunch afterwards. Um, so I'm doing all this stuff to like get ready. And I have to-do lists everywhere, like breaking down to-do lists of making sure that the deposition transcripts are in my files, that I'm going to go through the emails, that I'm starting to put an outline together for an opening statement. Here's also the thing about a trial. In a trial, you have to be really fluid. It's not like I can just type up an opening statement and be prepared to say that opening statement on the morning of the trial. When, Especially when you're defending a case, it doesn't work that way because you really have to think on your feet. The other side is going to come in. They're going to say their opening statement. You don't want to say something that they're not even addressing. Like say you've decided, you know, you're going to defend this huge point that they're bringing up. And in their opening statement, they don't mention it at all. And you put your whole opening statement around it and they're not even going there. So you have to scrap that. So I usually do sort of bullet points and just listen really closely so that I'm only addressing what they're actually talking about. It's the same with questioning a witness on cross-examination. You're really only asking them about what evidence they're bringing up if they don't bring something up and it's not an issue before the court, you don't bring it up. You know, if if there was something that was, you know, maybe going to be like a problem in your case and they don't mention it, like you don't mention it. So you're thinking on your feet the whole time, which means you can't just prepare some questions and answers and just go down the list and not think about it. Like the entire time you're thinking on your feet. So that was just another thing to think about as well. So on President's Day, I like set up kind of my two war rooms, the office and the uh, in my house. What I also did, and then I have my appointments over the prior two to three weeks for trial for everything that I needed. And I just sent up some personal things too. My sister-in-law and I went out last evening to dinner and a movie, just sort of like my last hurrah. I had also, um, and I still have it coming up, during spring break, I'm taking my daughter to New Orleans. We went to New Orleans last uh, spring break, and we're doing it again this spring break. As my listeners know, I have declared New Orleans my hometown, and I need to go there at least once a year, but I prefer twice a year. And some other things to do that I just was getting ready for trial. So I had to-do lists everywhere. I sort of had like a master one of big things I needed to do and then broke it down into smaller ones. I also was very, very mindful 
of my calendar the two weeks prior to trial. Because what I had to make sure that I didn't do is that I couldn't schedule myself every single minute of these two weeks because I needed blocks of time to actually work on this trial. So it was a difficult dance because people wanted to come in and see me and get stuff going on their cases. I also had court hearings, quite a few court hearings during the two weeks leading up to the trial. So what I did was I looked at my calendar for meetings. I put on a post-it potential openings that I could do every day. And I would do them around other court court hearings or meetings. So for example, say I had, this will be a a very practical example because it's just happened to me. So I had a 1030 call-in court hearing and then I had a one o'clock other court hearing. So I scheduled a couple meetings in between. So I did things like that and I just was very mindful of not overbooking myself. And then I looked in advance of after the trial, because I was trying to give myself a cushion after the trial in case the trial ran long. So I was scheduling things, but I also was prepared to move them around if I needed to, if the trial ran long. It didn't seem like it was going to be a possibility, but if your jury deliberated longer, maybe you needed to do that. My other problem was the week between The week after the trial was the week before my vacation. So now I'm trying to schedule people in before my vacation. So it was a little uh, awkward, but part of getting me through this trial was having this vacation scheduled. And if I was bringing my daughter, spring break was the option for her. So it had to happen during that week. And it's my reward for getting through this trial. So I was just working really hard on making sure that I wasn't overscheduled, but getting in what I needed to get in. And then also looking at appointments prior to my vacation to try to get the people in who I couldn't get in before the trial to get them done. I also was working very hard with my team, which is small. I have a legal assistant. I have an associate. But I knew I needed to rely on them. So I started telling them some ideas I had during trial that I may have my legal assistant drive in and um, bring me things or spend a day in the trial just sort of listening and giving me ideas. My husband was going to come a day or two and sit in the back. Same thing, like during breaks to be able to tell me, hey, this might be where you're losing the jury, that sort of thing. So I was using people around me, and I had really started to feel alone. And my legal assistant had said, you know, we can help you with what you need. And I said, I know, like, I'm just having a pity party for myself about this. And I keep forgetting to tell you what I mean to tell you, which is I finally decided I was going to stay downtown from Monday to Thursday. I was going to drive in for the trial Monday morning with my suitcase, 
all my suits, everything else, obviously dressed in a suit when I went downtown and found a hotel that I sort of forgot about. It was a brand new hotel. It's attached to one of the parking garages for the court, kind of on the back side of it, between the court and the Sun Stadium. And it's a suites hotel. So this was going to be my third war room. I was going to bring all my files, spread them out, and have my assistant come during the week and help me out, my associate if I needed her, and my kids were going to come for dinner. Like We had it all planned out. My husband was going to stay with me probably a night or two, so it wouldn't be so lonely. It was be like I wasn't like completely isolated from my family, but also getting help as well. It took me forever to decide to do this. I was having the biggest crisis about it because of just the thought of like bringing all this stuff that I wouldn't normally need to pack. But then I thought, well, once I'm there, it's really going to be an ideal setup and it's going to save me two and a half to three hours a day. And that became very positive to my mindset. And initially, I just kept changing things and changing things. I made my first reservation Tuesday to Friday. And then I thought, I'm going to make it Monday to Thursday and then stay an extra day if I want to stay an extra day instead of starting this whole thing later. And then I thought, there's always the chance that we get done kind of early and then I have the hotel room all the way till Friday. Like it, it just seemed the more ideal way to do it was to start earlier with it. So it's really like happy about that choice. And I am not telling you, I I am not kidding when I tell you this. I had spent hours thinking about this. Anytime I took a walk or if I was doing cycle bar and I was on the bike, I just kept planning and visualizing what it would look like to be working during the trial week. And then I started, the, the next thing I did was I started whittling away. So the two weeks before trial, I would work at home. A lot of times work, I've been getting up at 530 every morning. It's still pitch dark in the mornings, which is kind of a bummer, but my body is adjusting. Getting up at 530, putting on coffee, sitting at the kitchen table, and just start going through the files. And just piece by piece, like getting through these files, it's really working well. And then I would do a little bit at the office, but for the most part, I would do it at home because at the office, I was hit with other things. There were people physically coming in, my staff needed to talk to me, whatever. And every day I had a daily task list about what I was working with as well. I also was doing some delegating because I did realize I needed to put more on my staff than trying to act like I was a lone soldier on this. So uh, um, some motions came in very last minute. That's another thing with a jury trial is that sometimes you have motions and communications very last minute. So I had my associate helping me with those. And that really is how I was getting ready for trial. And so this is the weekend that was going to be the weekend where it's all I did, where I spent the weekend at the office, the weekend locked in my room, all of that. And guess what? 
guess what? <laughs> After five years, Thursday uh, midday, the case settles. We do a notice of settlement to the court. It's done. For the rest of that day, I felt like I lost an arm. I didn't know like what to do with myself. I was so entrenched in getting ready for it. So of course I'm like, I'm canceling the, um, I'm canceling the hotel room. It's the first thing I did. I, even that I was like, should I really cancel it? What if it somehow doesn't settle? I mean, settlements can always fall through, but by then we had done the notice of settlement and when the court email. And I thought, okay, if I do need the hotel, I can always um, reschedule it. It's not that hard to reschedule a hotel room and do it on the app. And I um, just like couldn't believe it. After five years, it, the only way I could describe it, it felt like my arm was gone, where I just was missing something. And then the court emailed and said, got the notice of settlement. It's off the calendar. That's when it started really to get real for me. Here's the thing. It seems like you should have all the time in the world now to um, do whatever. I really didn't. I had just been pushing everything else off. So my step after kind of like coming to the realization that it was time to get back on track was that... I needed to figure everything else out. So I started um, looking at my other cases, what I needed to get drafted. Um, I spent this weekend drafting some stuff on some other cases. And the other thing that happened to me, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, is that I got one of those headaches after like an adrenaline dump. And I have gotten these, I can't even remember how long I've gotten these. What happens is it could be a trial. It could be a day of meetings. It could be a long week. And then when I get to the day where it's like, okay, it's time to relax. You know, there's, it's a Saturday for instance, or it's a day when there's nothing on my calendar and I can just get some work done or maybe have some quiet time, I wake up with a migraine. And so Thursday, it started after the trial got vacated. And then Friday, I woke up with it. And I got up with my grandson at 430 in the morning. And so instead of being able to, you know, pull up because he, he was hanging out in my bed, and he was watching TV. So instead of being able to pull out my laptop and maybe get some work done while he was just hanging out. I'm just nursing this headache. I couldn't look at a screen. I couldn't do anything. It just hurt. That was the same day as my massage. <laughs> so the massage helped me so much. I get a headache on the back of my neck. I guess it's a tension headache. I, I'll like call it a migraine quite a bit because it's on one side of my head. But it really kind of starts in my shoulder and my neck. So I think that's more tension. But I don't know. And it just flared up. And the massage therapist was really able to get into it and saved my life. I just would have been in pain the entire day. So it was great. 
So um, last night I went to a movie. I still have that weird feeling of like I'm missing something or I'm forgetting something or I need to still be getting ready for this trial and I don't anymore. So this weekend was lovely. You know, once I finally got past my headache, I took a long walk on Saturday, went for a leisurely lunch on Saturday, went for a leisurely dinner Saturday night, went to the movie Saturday night. And then Sunday, I'm recording this podcast and just on and off all day, I've been working. I've been keeping my laptop in the kitchen and I'll sit down and I'll write a little bit for some petitions that I need to write. And I'll set a timer for like 30 minutes. And then when I'm done with the timer, I'll, you know, sit down and grab the paper, read a little bit from one of my books or whatever. So that was that, you know, it's crazy. Like I can't even describe to you how I feel, but that's getting ready for a trial. And then in the life of an attorney, the settlement at the last minute. This should not be a surprise to me. I have been in practice 22 years and the phrase settling on the courthouse courthouse steps is a real thing. And things do tend to, you ramp up for it, and then suddenly it just settles, and it's crazy. So onward <laughs> to uh, my other cases. All right, so I uh, hope those tips for getting ready for a jury trial help you. I think they can also be tips for any sort of big project. The, the tips that I use, like I said, if I'm even getting ready for an oral argument, doesn't necessarily need to be a trial or a huge trial. It can be a small trial that you're doing these things. I have a couple um, movie reviews for you. There is two movies on Netflix that I recommend. The Babysitter, which has been out for about four years, and The Babysitter Killer Queen. It might be called Babysitter 2. It's the sequel, but it definitely has Killer Queen in the title. These movies are super fun. Watch them. They're both really quick, fun casts, uh, fun twists, very gory horror, but not like not gross to me. It's more like comedic, if that makes sense. Um, By the same person who either directed or wrote Spontaneous, which is a movie that I love, which is kind of a horror romance. Um, I love that movie. I cried and cried and cried. But The Babysitter is more fun. You won't cry on these. So I recommend these. Also on Netflix is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one. It's kind of getting panned, but I really enjoyed it. It's a quick movie. It's a direct sequel to the first one. It's very, it's similar to the new Halloween movies that have come out. And it has a very funny part, uh, which actually turns very tragic and sad pretty quickly, but um very funny. They did something which I really enjoyed, which is, okay, a lot of time in horror movies, there's less like four people who are being stalked, and then you have the final girl, and it's a lot of her running and getting away. And they didn't fool around with that. They had a lot of people like coming and going throughout the movie. The kills are heartbreaking. I've discovered that it's um, very sad to me in these movies I would for someone who loves horror 
I am deeply saddened when the people get killed in the movies. It like breaks my heart. They're always, you know, a lot of times they're young people or in the newest Halloween, there was an old couple got killed and I was just breaking my heart. Um, but just a very fun movie. So if you have Netflix, definitely put it on. As I've said before, I enjoy being able to watch newer movies and get the, um, just get the feeling of seeing a new movie without needing to go to the theater. And I love the theater. I want to go to the theater. I support movie houses, but I don't often have time to go. And at night, I'm so tired. So going to a later movie just doesn't usually work. So getting to the movies is very hard for me. But, um, seeing um streaming is definitely very helpful there's a new movie on amazon called i want you back with charlie day and jenny slate it's kind of charming a little bit too long sort of predictable and they tie up all the loose ends like very quickly at the end it sounds like i'm not recommending it i actually am i thought this was a very cute movie and liked it quite a bit trying to think if there's anything new else on streaming for you oh some new movies have come out um free guy is on disney and hbo it was something i saw at the movies last year and a movie that i really enjoyed in 2021 after it was sort of like when the movies were sort of getting back into the swing of things it, this was a theater. I didn't rent a theater for a free guy. It was just my myself and my my youngest daughter and my sister-in-law went and saw it. And it was just really good. Like so much more enjoyable than you can even imagine. And a lot of deep thinking about what existence as a human means. I saw there's some new movies too. So in the next two weeks, um, I should have those for you. And the week after... This, I am also seeing the Batman. I rented a theater for it for a big group of family and friends and very excited about it. It's a long movie. So uh, having the three hours uh, with people that I want to be with is very enjoyable to me. I did see Death on the Nile last night at the movies um, with my sister-in-law it was a good movie. It was very relaxing to be seeing it because it's a, you know, takes place in the 30s. It has all that, you know, the glamour of the 30s and a, a great cast. Uh, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman is in it. And she just was luminous, the, the, the movie, and just is so beautiful. And a bunch of other fun people. Um, there was... A man who played a physician, an English physician. And the whole time I kept thinking, he looks like Russell Brand. Like that was my thought. He looks like Russell Brand. And then at the towards the end of the movie, I go, I think that is Russell Brand. <laughs> like he was unrecognizable as you think of Russell Brand. And then at the credits, his name came up. I because I said to my sister-in-law, I said, I think that's Russell Brand. And she goes, The guy with the crazy hair? <laughs> And in the movie, he does not have crazy hair. He's playing a doctor from the 30s, so he just has this short haircut. And I said, yeah. And she said, mm, I don't know. And it for sure was him. 
Um, Army Hammer, isn't it? And if you've heard any news things, he has like a lot going on in his personal life and possibly in his criminal life. I think this movie was filmed a couple of years ago when he was still able to be hired by someone. I think it might be a while before that happens again. But, you know, he's a very, very charming as an actor. So it's very sad to me when you have people who sort of have the world on on a silver plate and they somehow screw it up. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens for him in the future. But he was enjoyable in the movie as well. I'm watching Succession on HBO. There's three seasons out. I went through kind of a, I don't know, uh, a rabbit hole of watching Succession. An episode would end and then I would watch the next one. As I was almost done with the first season, I thought to myself, this is very Shakespearean. And I don't think I'm a genius for thinking this, but it it occurred to me where I'm like, it's kind of, you know, Julius Caesar, King Lear, Henry VIII, like all those sorts of family dynamic power plays of Shakespeare were kind of going through my head. And then I just put in succession and Shakespeare and yeah, I mean, that the writers of it don't hide it at all, <laughs> that that's what they're doing. I'm in season two. Um, this show wins a lot of awards. So far, I do recommend it. But I'm sort of, I feel like the beginning of season two is sort of a slump where it's like sort of the same storyline being regurgitated and they're not moving it forward. The very beginning of season two started off great with this storyline where I was like, ah, like it was very masterful how they did it, how they turned something around that seemed inevitable and then did something else with it. But now it's sort of like, I think I'm in like maybe on episode three or four. And it's sort of the same thing from episode one. So I'll go back to it and, and see, but it's winning all sorts of awards. And I've heard season three is really good. So um, perhaps, um, it is going to get better, but I did feel it was a bit of a slump. So that's it for today. Um, hopefully my tips can help you get ready for your jury trial or your big project. And um, I ended up not needing to finish getting ready for mine, but I definitely had a system for it. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Patreon. Under Florence Legally Brunette, Bonafide Legal Podcast, you can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. You can find me on Facebook under my name and under my law office, Law Office of Florence Brummer, and my website for my law office is brummerlaw.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will be back in two weeks with some more time management and wellness tips, and also with a review of The Batman. Bye.